Up next is a daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. We are currently in the Gospel of John chapter 13, and we're going to be picking it up in verse 26 today. And what is going on here is essentially Jesus and the apostles being in that upper room for their last supper, that Passover meal before Jesus went on to the cross. He had broken bread, he had washed the feet of the apostles, and then he began to speak of the fact that there was one who would deny him and be ultimately throw in with those who are against him. Now, in verse 26, uh, after there had been some questioning from the apostles as far as, Lord, is it me? He answers and says, It is he to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it. So when he dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After the piece of bread, then Satan entered into him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. Now, nobody at the table knew why he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus said to him, buy what things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Therefore, having received that morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. Now, up until this point, the point that Judas departed, and please note that he departed, okay? Jesus had not immediately exposed him. Judas could have turned, repented, and made things right with his Savior at any point. But usually, in these situations, a man's pride blinds him so completely that a turnaround is not only extremely rare, but highly unlikely. However, Jesus always gives us a chance to repent, even if we only see that in hindsight. Only our own stubborn heart destroys us, not Christ. Now, Jesus in offering him the bread in this act is offering him a chance to repent. For to eat together in the communal model of that day was to acknowledge in every way that you are one with all those who sit at that table with you. It literally was a moment in history that, at least for Judas anyway, likely lasted much longer than the couple of seconds that it actually took. I think seldom do we fully realize the impact of those moments in our lives until fully it is too late. It was his chance. It was his last chance. And Judas had to turn now or the die was cast. Few men, if any, would have dealt with Judas this way. Instead of wrath, Jesus offered him his love and brotherhood. Forgiveness was there on the table and all he had to do was reach out and take it. The amount of destruction one man can weld at the hand of Satan, frankly, is staggering. The level of pain given in a payment for such is without precedence. Let's face it, no one is Satan's friend. He'll use you and throw you away like a used Kleenex. Our text says Judas got up and left and it was night. Indeed, for Judas, it was now very very dark. Verse 31 going on in our text says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify himself and will glorify him immediately. So, now that the traitor is gone, the room, 
no doubt felt much easier. That's usually the case. Having that kind of spirit in the midst of God's people, it just brings a strange heaviness that is gone when the offender is removed. Jesus then began to speak intimately to his disciples, and and he spoke of how, in our human way of thinking, that the premise of death would bring, well, we think would bring anything but good. And, And the idea that it would bring anything but good is just beyond our understanding. Maybe in many ways, it is still beyond our understanding. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew that it would involve his complete humiliation, it would involve incredible pain, and finally a very real and human death. Yet he still sees the whole matter as his glorification, his death bringing glory to his Father. Now this scene, these words, if you will, are very and truly important. For Jesus was wrapping it up, and what he would do and say at this juncture would speak volumes as to the man We know is Jesus, if we can even call him a man. He first points out that what he had to do, what had to be done in all of this from this point forward, was for him to do and for him to do alone. This was a special work that was reserved for the Son of God. After all, this was his life's crescendo, and ultimately, it would be a solo. Verse 33 says, Little children, I will be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you can't come. So now I tell you the same. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So he began there by saying, where I am going, you cannot come. Clearly what lay before him was indeed personally daunting. Yet it seems it wasn't approached with dread or apprehension or resignation. It seemed rather to be that last push, if you will, to crest the mountain peak. The final brushstrokes on a masterpiece. The pinnacle of his calling in the journey of 33 years. A road that actually began way back in the garden when God called to Adam after the fall. Adam, where are you? Jesus would now express the greatest act of love ever recorded in the history of mankind. He would, once again, set things in grand order. He would now give his whole life. And in in such a dramatic and emotional scene, what is it that he wants to tell us at this point? What's the message here? (laughs) His message is to love one another. Even as the shadow of his betrayer was barely out the door, Jesus tells us to love one another. It is this, more than anything else we do as believers, that says to the world that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ. It is critical, therefore, that we come to know and understand clearly and execute a Christ love for those around us. Not a worldly love, but a Jesus love. Not a sticky, gooey love that looks like Uh, The other way, when we need to speak or act, you know, where tolerance somehow means acceptance or suddenly it's an easy conditional commitment. No, no. You see, Jesus is love. And we need to come to know what that means in in order to love as he loves. Verse 36 says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you can't follow now, but you will follow afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. 
And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Most certainly I tell you, the rooster won't crow until you've denied me three times. It seems that, well, Peter didn't get it. I mean, all he heard was that Jesus was leaving, and he naturally didn't want him to go. He no doubt thought that he knew himself. He thought he knew what he was capable of. He thought he was more than he really was. And don't we all? But very soon, Peter would be tested as never before in his life. And he would fall in a spectacular fashion. Now Judas, indeed, was a betrayer. Yet Peter thought that he would and could never do such a thing as Judas. Oh no, not him. He would find out yet just how much he had left to grow. He would find out just how much it cost to follow Jesus. He would find out, as we all will at some point in our lives, just how thin that line is between a Judas and a disciple. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believer's Church, visit jfbelievers.com.